Thanks, buddy. Thank you very much, Julia. Everybody, get through these. All right. I don't know about everybody else, but worship for me was awesome. Um, just for the very first song, this just really just felt God's presence, just loving on us, just here with us. You know, and that's, you know, when you're family, you don't always have to do stuff together. You just sometimes just be together. And, and we can say today we've been with God. We've spent time with God and he spent time with us. And it, it was good. Amen. It was good. So today I'm going to share with something with you guys that really touched, changed my heart in life over the years that I wished I would have knew when I was way back in high school or sooner. But we'll start off with reading 2 Timothy 2.15. I believe it should be on the screen for you guys. It says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the King James Version says, Study to show yourself approved. So we need to be diligent to study the word of God so we can rightly divide the word of truth. Now, the Bible can be complicated to understand sometimes, can't it? That's why we have so many different opinions on things. That's why we have so many different denominations. Sometimes it's complicated to understand, but the reality is we need the Holy Spirit to help us rightly divide the word of truth because it's not naturally understood. It's spiritually discerned, the Bible says. Amen? So uh, uh, there's, a, there's a tension in the Bible. Like people that are not believers, they'll, they'll think like, see, the Bible's full of contradictions. I'm going to show you one. But it's not really a contradiction when you have the Holy Spirit's help to show you what it means. Look at Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Talking about a contradiction here. This is a pretty strong one. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So which one do you do? Do you answer the fool? Do you not answer the fool? Let him be wise in his own eyes or whatever. Uh, what do you do? And it, 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 people say that's a contradiction, but it's not. It's, the, it's both true at the same time. It's not applicable both at the same time. Depending on who the fool is, right? <laughs> how God instructs you how to deal with that person. I know the fool word is kind of weird. The Bible says not to say the call him a fool, but I'm just reading the Bible, so that's what it says here. But, um, you know, sometimes it might be something you need to say, and sometimes you might just need to hold your tongue. Let me show you another example of this, just showing the tension in Scripture sometimes. Matthew 15.4. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. Now, he's quoting a verse from the Old Testament, so we're not going to go around killing anybody. But that's a verse from the Old Testament. In Luke 14, 25, it says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, well, there's some strong verses, especially the second one. Uh, so what is Jesus really teaching here? Is he teaching us to hate each other, hate our families and stuff like that? Or is he teaching us to put him first? You know, the thing about if I had some young teenage kid come to me for counseling one day and said, Pastor Ryan, I'm struggling. I really hate my mom and dad. I'm like, oh, it's okay. Jesus said you're supposed to. Is that, is that wise counsel? No, see, there's a right application for the teaching of God's word, and we need the Holy Spirit's help to show us what this is. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. In the same way, you know, there's verses in the Bible that I studied and studied and studied. I was trying to show myself approved. The workman doesn't need to be ashamed, and I couldn't get them. I couldn't get it. Like after a while, you ever find a verse you're just like, I got to stop reading this because I just can't figure it out. So then I find another one. I, I can't figure that out either. Well, the, the the teaching of spirit, soul, and body helped me understand these verses I couldn't understand before. 
Some of you have heard this teaching before. It's good to hear it again. For those that haven't heard it before, it will absolutely bring Bible verses to life for you so you will know what your, what your spirit looks like today. You know, the first four or five songs that we talked about, we were singing this morning, was about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit. The Bible talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. But do you know that you, ha- you are a spirit also? And do you, you know what your spirit looks like? And that's, we're going to look at that today because uh, we need to know if we don't start our search for truth on the right foundation, it will be increasingly difficult for us to come to the right conclusion. We have to build line upon line, precept upon precept. So even though I was studying to try to find out what this means, without this one teaching over here on spirit, soul, and body, I could not understand those verses. And I'll show you what those verses are a little bit later. But um, in the same way we, might, we must rightly divide the word of truth, we must rightly divide spirit, soul, and body. They're not the same thing. Okay, so the first thing I want you to share with you on this today is we are a three-part being. We're going to look at Hebrews 4, verse 12. All right, Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In the same way our bones and marrow are so closely connected and interact with each other, our soul and spirit are closely connected, and they do interact with each other, but they are not the same things. Bone and marrow is not the same thing. Soul and spirit is not the same thing. In the Old Testament, it overlaps. You look up the original words, and it's, it's interchangeable, soul and spirit. But in the New Testament, here it says there's a difference between your soul and your spirit. Why is this important? Because understanding the difference will help you know what those other verses mean. Okay, we're going to keep going. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So again, we see a distinction here, spirit, soul, and body. It's just not body and soul. There's, there's three. And one more, Genesis 25, 1.25. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So it says here, let us make man in our image. Okay? Like, you know, a lot of Muslims and the people, they have trouble with the whole Trinity. You know, a lot of people uh, have trouble, Christians have trouble trying to understand it. But God is a three-part being. It's called Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's one God, but he manifests in different ways. Okay, it's sometimes hard to understand, but just like God is a three-part being, he made you to be a three-part being. Let, it make, let us make man in our image. So you're created to look like the Father, like the Son, and like the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's how we're designed. That's part of God's design for us. So um, I want to show you a diagram here. Now, I know this might seem elementary to some of you guys. You may have heard it before, but it's foundational to understand um, understand some scriptures. To understand we have a spirit, there's spirit, soul, and a body. So we contact the, the physical world with our body. We contact our soul realm with our mind, will, and emotions. Intellect can be in there too. But we contact God with our spirit. God is spirit. The Bible says those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So we have to know about our spirit. It's easy to know what we look like, our bodies, right? We're connected to our bodies to look in the mirror. Some of you, some of you do it every day. Maybe all of you guys do it every day. But uh, with our bodies, we do that. With our souls, we're connected with our souls, with our mind, will, and emotions every day. 
but sometimes it's hard to understand. Like, for example, it's sometimes hard to know what you're feeling. You ever gone through that? And you have to, a verbal processor, you're telling someone, I'm not sure why I'm upset. Well, that's in your soul realm. You have to figure it out with your brain, mind, will, emotions. Try to figure out, what am I feeling right now? That's sometimes hard to do, isn't it? Anybody? Am I the only one? Sometimes has a tough time figuring out why I'm, I'm feeling upset but not sure why. Then like, ah, it's that. Then once you know, it's easier to handle it. So it's your body we're in contact with every day. Our soul with every day, sometimes hard to understand. But our spirit, what's our spirit? What's that about? What's it look like? You know? So the, the truth is, we've never seen what our spirit looks like before. We've never seen it. Casper the ghost hasn't seen it. Nobody's seen it. You haven't seen what your spirit looks like. You didn't see what it looked like before you were saved. You didn't know what it looked like after you were saved. The, the truth is, we need the mirror of God's word to show us what we look like. Just like, you know, ourselves. You know you've never seen what your face looks like before without the help of a mirror? Right. Or water reflections, glass, something reflecting. You have never seen your face without the help of a mirror. And you have never seen your spirit with the help of the, without the help of the mirror of the word of God. You don't know. You, your soul might tell you this. Your flesh might, your mind, will emotion might tell you this. I am this. I am that. But that's not who you says, says you are because you can't tell without the help of the mirror. That's right. You know, we have a friend of ours. Um, some of you guys might know him. Wasn't it Tracy... Grit, he was vice principal or something at one of the schools, principal at Riverside, but he was also at the high school for a while. But he went on a missions trip to Haiti, and while he was there, they took little Polaroid shots of all the kids that were running around there, and they laid them out on the table to the kids to come get their pictures, and not one kid could pick out their picture because they'd never seen their own face before. They had to get another friend, hey, this one's yours, and hey, this one's yours. They'd never seen their face. Can you imagine that? Not even known. Like, you look one day in the mirror, like, oh my gosh, I got freckles. Like, I didn't, didn't even know that. Oh man, my eyes are blue. I didn't even know my eyes are blue or whatever. That would be weird, but it's the same way with our spirit. You have never seen your spirit before. So why would we disagree with God on what, what it looks like? You know, we, we, it's so easy. I'm going to go into this a little further, but um, it's so easy to believe the bad stuff about ourselves. If someone, someone preaches or says how much you stink or you're horrible, blah, 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 blah. It's so, yeah, you're right. You know, I stink. I'm horrible. But why is it so hard for us to believe what God says about us? And he created us. Right. He right. really knows us, the intimate detail of our bodies and our beings. Look at what James 1, 23 and 24 says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what he says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Yeah. The word of God is your spiritual mirror. And the only way you're going to know what your born again spirit looks like is by looking at the Bible. Not by how you feel, not with your, your emotions, not how you're a good day or bad day, or if all your prayers seem to be answered or not, whatever's going on. The only way to know what it looks like is through the word of God. Yep. That's our mirror. Amen. So we're going to look at this from three perspectives. We're going to look at our spirits, human mankind spirits, before the fall, after the fall, and after salvation. We're going to look at those briefly together. And at the end, I believe you'll be blessed to know what your spirit looks like. And I'm going to come to those verses that I couldn't understand before until I understood spirit, soul, and body. Now, again, many of you have heard this before, but many haven't. And if you listen, I'm praying this has an impact on your life like it did on me. Because it's really, this really did impact me. So first we're going to look at our spiritual condition of Adam and Eve before the fall. Now before the fall, everything was perfect in the garden, you know. 
Man was covered, they were perfect, they were walking around naked, covered by the glory of God. They didn't even know they were naked. That's hard to understand that because we've never been covered by the glory of God like that. But they they had perfect communion with God, perfect fellowship, nothing hindered them at all. Just walking in the garden, they're naming the plants and animals, they're they're, uh, having a good time. Then uh, one day something bad happened and and, uh, sin was exposed and they they died. So I had this little balloon I brought with with me today. I'm going to see if this will stick to me, but um, this used to work when I see. All right, there we go. So they're covered with the glory of God. I wanted to use someone else's head for that, but um, I, I tried to get little Caleb to volunteer, but he wouldn't do it. He looks like Woody today. It's pretty cute. But anyway, they're covered with the glory of God, and then one day they just chose to believe the devil more than God, and that balloon popped. I remember doing that in Uganda and they'd never heard a balloon pop before and it was this guy sitting right beside me over here he just he screamed it was so it was hard to preach again for a little while because that made me laugh so hard he just didn't know that was going to make that loud of a noise but when uh when Adam and Eve sinned by disobeying God they were no longer covered with glory were they they were then covered with shame weren't they Genesis 2, 17 says this, But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt eat of it, for in the day, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou shalt eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I'm not used to reading King James too often. I mixed it up pretty bad. Basically, if you eat it, the day you eat it, it says you're going to die. But the thing is, if you know the Bible, Adam and Eve didn't die that day, did they? Not physically. They did die spiritually that day, but physically, Adam later had Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. 130 years later, they had Seth. He lived 930 years. It seemed like God didn't tell the truth, but even even in that, it's true that the Bible says a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. A thousand years is like a day. He lived to 930. He still physically died in God's time frame of one year, but he spiritually died on that day. On that day, so did Eve. So... um, all of a sudden, the glory cloud was gone, and they're naked. They realize they're naked, and they're hiding behind fig trees, and they're hiding from God. They went from walking in the garden, talking with God, naming animals, having this fun fellowship, to just now they're hiding from Him. Yeah. And that's what happened, one of the things that happened when the fall happened. Now I want to look at the spiritual condition of Adam and Eve after they, after they fell. Uh, when they sinned, of course, they had to leave the garden, but the entire human race was affected. It didn't just affect Adam and Eve. When they sinned, uh, God, in God's perspective, we identified with sin as if everybody had sinned. Their sin was our sin. You didn't become a sinner when you first uh, lied to your parents or stole a cookie from the cookie jar. You were born into sin because of what Adam and Eve did many, many years ago. We can see this in Romans 5.12. Therefore, justice through the one man's sin entered the world, that's Adam, and death through sin... And thus, death spread to all men because all sinned, or as if all sinned. So Adam and Eve sinned, but it was marked as if we all had sinned. And I know that doesn't seem fair, but in the end, it's more than fair because of the grace of Jesus. So Adam, when Adam sinned, God identified everyone as a sinner. That's important to understand that. So I want to show you, we're going to look at the spiritual mirror of God's word. I have a picture for you guys of some verses of what our spiritual condition was after the fall. Okay? We were dead in transgressions and sins. We were given over to the power of darkness. We were sons of disobedience, and our ruler was Satan. This is what our spirit looked like, okay? We were children of wrath. We were powerless and ungodly. We were God's enemies. 
We were hostile to God, unable to submit, and unable to please God. We were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, and without God, and without hope in this world. We were absolutely without hope, without God in this world, and there was nothing Adam and Eve could do about it, nothing Cain and Abel could do about it, nothing anyone could do about it but God. And God saw this fallen state of mankind, and he sent his son to redeem man back to himself. Amen? Amen. So that's what we looked like after the fall. But God had a good plan. So let's look at our spiritual condition after conversion. Now, if you remember in Genesis 2-7, it says, The Lord God formed the man, Adam, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. Okay, so Adam came alive after God breathed into his nose the breath of life or the spirit of God. The spirit and breath is the same word in the Bible. He breathed the spirit of God into him and this pile of dirt came alive. Absolutely amazing, okay? Now look at the New Testament, what happened. God breathed on mankind again. John 20, 19 through 22. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fears of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And guess what? They came alive again. They were born again. They spiritually died. They started physically dying after the garden. Here, they, for the first time, they were the first disciples. They came alive. They were born again when Jesus breathed on them, just like in the garden, all over again. So we're now alive because of Christ, which is what it says in Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace we are saved. So our spirits were dead. We were translated from death into life. So I have a second balloon here. Um, this one represents now alive in Christ. So should I pop it? Or make the high squeaky noise in the mic? Should I do that? <laughs> no. So this is what our spirit kind of. I'm making draw a little phasey stuff on here. Oh, I think there's a hole in it. All right, pretend there's not a hole in this. Holly told me to bring two just in case. You can blow up the other one, but this is losing air fast. But anyway, uh, we went from death, pop balloon, to alive. Yeah, blow me up the other way. This one's shrinking quick. Thanks. Um, I'm glad she warned me. Oh, hold it right there. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> went from death to life. We now are alive in Christ. So if this represents our spirit, remember the first balloon represented they were covered with the glory of God. If this now represents our spirit, and our spirit has been united with Christ, here you go, thank you. This one feels solid. All right, and our spirit's been united with Christ. It says we are one spirit with him. I think it's 2 Corinthians six seventeen. He who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. So the Holy Spirit and our spirit have now been joined together as one. So inside of us, we're a three-part being. In our spirit, man, it's, there's what's in here. You can't see it. You can't see it under here. You can't see it right here. You can't see it, but you can read the Bible and find out what happened to my born-again spirit when I was saved. 
I'm telling you, this is pivotal information to know who you are in Christ. Because you can't tell who you are by looking in the physical mirror. You can't buy, tell who you are by looking at your mind, will, and emotions, like how you feel, like, oh man, I stink. You know who you are and what's on the inside of you by looking at the Word of God. You are who God says you are, no matter what anybody says. Amen? He's the boss, He's the creator, uh, and knows us. So, um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Where? In your spirit. Not in your body. If you were, you know, you lacked intelligence before, you might probably still lack intelligence after you're born again. You know, if you, if you were, this one's leaking too, I think. Um, if you were overweight before, you're going to be overweight probably after. You're not going to pray a prayer and ask Jesus in your heart and all of a sudden, bing, you become skinny. Now, if that happened, that'd be pretty cool. People would be signing up pretty quick for to jump on the Jesus train for that. But, but um, what the change happened, all things become new in here. There's no death in here anymore. It's alive now. And God is alive on the inside of us and we are alive on the inside of God in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? So we're going to look at a few of these verses together because understanding spirit, soul, and body and the finished work of the cross that Jesus did on the inside of me, inside of us, changes everything in my spiritual life. Right. Everything. Amen. Okay, think of this first. 1 John four seventeen. I think you have it there for the screen. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may be, have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is... So are we in this world. You can't take that verse to mean, well, that's when you die and get to heaven. Because what does it say? In this world. As he is, so are we in this world. How does that make sense? This is one of the ones I just had to skip over. Like, I can't get it. Because if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, right now, as God is, perfect, holy, righteous, good, as he is, so are we now in this world. Right now, in our spirit man. And the only way you're going to know that is by looking at the mirror of God's word. Here's another one. 1 John 3.3 3. And anyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Like, wait a minute, what? If I have hope in Jesus Christ for my salvation, I'm as pure as he is pure? This is totally contradictory to what a lot of you have been taught in church. When you've gone to church and been spiritually abused for years by telling you how you're a weasley, dirty, nasty, worm, blah, 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 blah. When the Bible says that he who has a hope in Christ, you're as pure as he is pure. Well, it's not in your soul realm. Mind, will, and emotions is not in your body. It's in your spirit, man, where you've been united with Christ. And now we're now alive in him. This is part of us that gets to go to heaven. This is part of us that, that Christ lives in. This is what, how we pray in tongues, all the gifts of spirit, everything. It's all inside this earthen vessel in jars of clay. Amen? Amen? As he is right now, so are we right now in this world. When I got this teaching, it, it revolutionized how I thought and how I prayed. Because God's not like uh, so worried about trying to fix me up. No, just believe what I said. You'll, 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 you'll be changed. You'll be changed. Here's another one. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. But we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous made perfect. Some versions say righteous men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, 
and to the uh, sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Okay, it said you've come to a place where, spiritually speaking, this is not talking about heaven, spiritually we've come to a, a new spiritual Jerusalem that when we, the place where we're righteous men's spirits have been made perfect. I mean, that's pretty good news to me. Because, you know, I grew up with a thing, I was trying to be perfect, trying to be good enough so my parents would love me, trying to be good enough to be on this team or that team, trying to be good enough so God would love me, trying to be good enough so I'd be fit into this, or trying to be better than enough so you'd stand out above the crowd so you get recognition and notice. And all of a sudden, by the work of the Holy Spirit, He made me perfect forever already on the inside of me. I'm striving for something that He already did. I'm like the hamster in the wheel sometimes trying to chase it down when He said it's already done. It's done. And if that's not clear enough, look at Hebrews 10, 14. This has to be talking about our spirit. For by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Well, I don't feel perfect, don't look perfect, I'm not perfect. But in my spirit, man, in my born-again spirit, in here, the real me, I'm perfected forever. Forever. Not till the next time I sin, next time I fall short, next time I have a bad thought or a critical thought or whatever. Right now, because of the work of Jesus, his one sacrifice, what it says, why his sacrifice, not mine. He perfected us forever. So guys, I'm telling you, understanding spirit, soul, and body is pivotal to your spiritual growth. Because if you don't understand this, you're going to still be trying to please God when he's already pleased with you. He started to do this work and you're starting to earn something, starting to achieve something. And he's already like, you know what? I've already made you perfect forever. I'll put that down. Uh, by the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 So in the same way that God identified us with Adam and Adam's sin in the garden, as if we had all sinned, now because of Jesus' one act of righteousness, God identifies us with Jesus as righteous. Amen. I'll say it again in case you didn't yeah. get it. In the same way that God identified Adam, us with Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, made us all, making us all sinners, now God identifies us with Jesus and his one act of righteousness, making us all righteous that are, are, that are in Christ, that are believers in him. Yeah. Amen. Wow. You know, when you get to heaven, you don't say, you know, I get to come in because I taught Sunday school or I went to church. You say, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Yeah. That's what the guy, imagine the guy on the cross, the criminal on the cross, he's like, Hardly knew the guy's name. First, he's making fun of Jesus. He's bad mouthing him. After a while, he's like, "Remember me when I remember me when you enter your kingdom." He goes, "Today we have been in paradise." So he gets there and he's like, "Oh, why should we let you in? Were you baptized? Uh, no. Did you pray in tongues? No. Where'd you go to church? No. Didn't go to church. Where where where'd you tithe? No. I never tithe. Well, what are you doing here? The man in the middle cross. He said I could come." Amen. That's the gift of righteousness. That's the gift of grace. The man on the middle cross paid the price to fill us with his spirit, to make us one with him. And that's why we get to go to heaven. And heaven gets to come in us because we're in Christ and Christ is in us. Amen. Amen. It's not, don't give him your resume. Don't give him your spiritual achievements. It doesn't matter you prayed for the sick. It doesn't matter you healed this or you did that. It matters what Jesus did for you on the cross. And that by his offering, he perfected you forever. Forever. Amen. When you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who speaks to the Father on your defense. He said, don't forget about my blood. I paid for that. Don't forget about my, my back. I paid for that. Don't forget. And of course, I'm sure it's not a long discussion. I might just go like, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He paid for it. Amen. Amen. 
So this should give security in our salvation, security when we pray, because we're not this far off distant person praying to God like, oh please God, please. No, He already perfected you forever. You're now sons and daughters of God. He made you, He gave you the right to be called His sons and daughters. And He said He's not ashamed to call you His brothers. You have to know what's on the inside of you. You can't tell, again, by looking in a mirror. You can't tell by your emotions. You can only tell by looking in the Word of God. Yes. And as He is, so are we in this world. Amen. 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 Will you guys stand? I'm going to pray and bless you and dismiss you. That's good news to me. I was good news to you guys, too, because, again, all those verses I couldn't get, I was studying, trying to show myself approved, couldn't figure it out. How could that be true? But spirit, soul, and body in my spirit right now, because Jesus, I'm born again, is perfected forever. Amen. Talk about resting in the promises, right? Yeah. All, all the verses of the Bible come to make sense to me. So many covenants and different things when you understand spirit, soul, and body. You're as righteous right now in your spirit as you're ever going to be. You're not going to get more righteous when you get to heaven. You are righteous now because you have been received the gift of righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. He became sin, remember, who knew no sin, so you could become the righteousness of God is a gift. Thank you, I thank you, Lord. So, God, I thank you today that we are who you say we are, and we identify as righteous because of what Jesus did as our representation, our representative for us on the cross. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have now become children of God, sons and daughters of God, and as righteous as you are righteous because that's the gift you gave us. God, we thank you for the gift. We thank you that you've perfected our spirit forever by your sacrifice. And we now are sons and daughters of God. Lord, I just bless your holy name today. I thank you for the truth that sets us free. I thank you that we know the truth. When we hear the truth, we know it, and it sets us free. Yes. And I do pray today if there's anyone here who has never made you their Lord and Savior, who never um, uh, come into that personal relationship with you, that today would be the day of salvation. That today be the day of salvation. I pray for spiritual growth to be released, Lord. We no longer act like we're treading water, just trying to hold our heads above water, or feel sorry for ourselves, or all these kind of things that we've been taught from this uh, old dead man nature we t that people talk about so much. But we come into the reality of who we are in Christ and walk with you every day. Just walk with you, just like Adam and Eve did in the beginning. And so, God, we thank you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.